welcome to the Essential Astrocast. I'm Veronica Peretti, astrologer, yoga teacher, and Real Housewives historian. Each week, I give you a peek into the heavens so you can harness the energy of the planets up there and dictate your fate down here on Earth. Hey guys, welcome back to the Essential Astrocast. I'm Veronica Peretti. And I've got some feedback that you're having trouble hearing me the past few weeks. So I was testing out doing the recording in my office, which is where I would prefer to do it. So it's my command center where I have my big desktop and all the charts and all of that. But the sound hasn't been that good. So I am back in my bedroom, sitting on my bed, recording the weekly Essential Astrocast for you guys. It's a big week, so I wanted to make sure that you could hear me. So I hope you're doing well, and I hope that you are enjoying the sounds of the New York City outside my bedroom window. Maybe, hopefully, you can't hear those sirens. Um, but I wanted to share that this week, at the very end, we're going to, instead of doing a listener question this week, I'm going to do a chart reading for Ruth Bader Ginsburg for you. I promised you a few weeks ago that I would do it as a bonus, so I'm tacking it on to this week's podcast instead of a listener question. If you do have an astrology question, a general astrology question, or even something that is maybe more specific to your chart, because if you have it in your chart, someone else has it out there in their chart too, then send me your questions because I'd love to include your question in one of the segments at the end of the show. I think it's a great way for all of us to learn a little bit more about astrology and to demystify some of these things because as you know, my take on all of this stuff is that it's not magic. It's mystical, but it's not magical. And these are tools that are accessible for all of us. And it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily go to astrology school and learn how to read charts, but I think it's helpful to start to break things down and demystify some of these concepts that seem out of reach, but really are tools and tactical and simple and not out of reach for most of us. So anyway, on to the show for the week. I loved last week's full moon, full moon in Aries. It was intense, but it was good. It was really cathartic. I think there was a lot of release to be had for many of us. And so I've been really reluctant to talk about release for the past six months because, I mean, of course I do talk about it because it's one part of the ebb and the flow, ebb and the flow. So just like your inhale, I always say to my yoga students, inhale, I receive, exhale, I release. That's the mantra that I often teach people to use to match to their breath. So it can be really useful. So if you want it, we'll just do that together for a moment. If you're not driving, if you're not running, if you're not walking, you can um, just close your eyes and take a deep breath in and a full breath out. Inhale, I receive. Exhale, I release. 
inhale, I receive. Exhale, I release. And just notice the sound, the length, and the quality of your breath. And notice the sound, the length, and the quality of your thoughts. And that's a super simple breath practice, mantra practice that you can turn to anytime that you need it. So this week you might need it. We do have some anxiety ridden astrology coming at us. But I wanted to share that with you because releasing is a part of the process of breathing. Um, Releasing is a part of the process in everything in this life. If we want to make space for what's new, if we want to make space for the next thing, then we have to release something. Otherwise, we end up being like those people on hoarders that have houses full of crap they don't even know they have, right? So when you're ready for a few new pieces of clothing for your fall wardrobe, you get rid of some stuff that you haven't worn in a year. So that's just part of this process of life and growing and evolving. So we always have to prune. And so this was a big full moon for pruning. The full moon was in Aries and Aries is ruled by Mars and Mars is still retrograde. And that Mars in retrograde was in a square with Saturn. So we had some old stuff coming up. We had a lot of frustrations and resentments that were coming up. Any ways in your life that you might feel blocked in might have come up. Right now, of course, we're all feeling locked in in a lot of ways. And we're going to see people, especially this week, really challenge that authority of being locked in. So it's interesting in New York, we actually have some communities that are having big spikes. Luckily, not in my neighborhood, but you know, the city, while it's big, it's very small in a lot of ways and very dense, densely populated. So we're talking about, are we going to get locked down again? That's a very big possibility. So this week, we're going to have a lot of that emotional feeling of um, feeling like someone has authority over us. That's going to be one of the things that comes up. So last week was really important because last week had us reclaim our boundaries. So you may have noticed that your boundaries were tested in some way because the sun is in Libra. Libra rules the skin. The skin is our outermost boundary of our physical body. So it rules energetically our boundaries. And so when the full moon is in Aries, Aries is assertive. It likes to take over. It likes to be dominant. And the sun is in Libra, which likes to people please. Our boundaries get triggered. So you may have had your boundaries triggered last week. And you may have had a really great opportunity to reclaim them. And that is really good practice and really good stuff to have going forward into this week. If there is anything going on right now that is an open energy loop, this is a really good time to close it because we are now in the waning phase of the moon cycle. So we have almost two weeks until our next new moon. And to remind you, we had a new moon in Virgo. Then we had the full moon in Aries. We have a little bit of a weird 
moon pattern right now, the new moon in that sign, because the new moon is when the sun and the moon come together. The new moons are happening very late in the sun season. So we're going to have a new moon in Libra pretty close to right before, um, not right before, but about like five days before the sun actually leaves Libra, right? So these new moons coming at late in the sun season of each sign are really interesting because the new moon is giving us that pure flavor of that sun season that we're completing. And then the full moon is giving us a totally different flavor. So um, with that said, last week I think was really potent and it gave us a really um, interest, a great opportunity to release a lot of things, a great opportunity to reclaim those boundaries. And because the new moon opposite Aries in in the sign of Libra is yet to come, we'll have another opportunity to really plant our flag around our boundaries and around how we want to show up in relationships. So we'll be talking about more that more next week or the week after next week. We'll be talking about that next week. But I just wanted to put that on your radar just to pay attention to what's going on in your relationships. Pay attention to what's going on with your boundaries. Okay. It's something that came up in my life, so I wanted to mention it because I think if it's coming up in my life, it might be coming up in your life. And I always see these patterns when I talk to people, whether they're friends or clients or yoga students, I see the patterns. I see that everyone's kind of dealing with similar stuff. And so that's why I share it with you because maybe you're dealing with it too. So we've been living with that Mars square Saturn for like six weeks and it's not been fun. It's been super frustrating it can make you feel like my example of Mars square Saturn is you're driving with the parking brake on, but you don't know the parking brake is on. So you're like, why won't this damn car just go? That's how it feels. And we've been in that energy for six weeks now. Now, Mars squared Saturn last week, and now they're separating. So we're actually going to have a third square with these guys, but it's not going to happen until they're both in different signs. So... Uh, The next time they meet up, it's going to be in January and they're going to be in different signs. So it's going to be a totally different vibration and a totally different story. What's not going to be a different story is Mars square Pluto. And that is happening this week. So this week, Mars is real cranky. He's real unhappy because he's retrograde. He doesn't like to be retrograde. And he is what we call besieged by square between Pluto and Saturn. So he had his meetup with Saturn last week, and he's going to have his meetup with Pluto this week. And basically, he's just cranky. He's stuck between the two of them. Have you ever been stuck between two people at a dinner table that you just really don't care for? I mean, that's really what's going on. Saturn and Pluto are trying to dominate Mars. And in a lot of the ways, they are dominant. They are um, bigger authority figures. I talked about this last week. You know, Saturn is like the teacher in school that is telling you you're not doing your homework and disciplining you for it and you want to rail against them but like what leg do you really have to stand on right you're the petulant child and Saturn is the teacher that's that's just the table of organization that's what we're working with so this week Mars again is the petulant child and it's coming up against Pluto and Pluto's pretty forceful now Mars square Pluto is a war aspect it is 
really when we all are craving a fight. So be on your toes with that. This is an incredibly confrontational aspect. It's going to feel a little bit different than the last one because Mars is now retrograde, right? So the last time they met up, so they're meeting up three times this year. So I want you to pay attention to any themes or stories that are popping up around these dates. They met up uh, August 13th. They're meeting up again this week on October 9th. And they're going to meet up one last time on December 23rd. So it should be a very interesting Christmas for those of us that celebrate. So these two guys, when they square, they are ready for a fight. It can bring up a lot of our power struggles. It can bring up our power dynamics in our life. You can want to get the upper hand. You can want to get the upper hand so badly that you'll do underhanded things to get the upper hand. On the more positive side of this aspect, it can make you desire to meet your goals. It can make you put in the focus, put in the work, put your head down, go forward, and do what you need to do to grab the the gold ring, get to the finish line, make the thing happen. And so if you've got something that you need a little help with, this can help you. Remember, Mars is still retrograde, so that means that you might have the desire to do those things, but there's just a little something off in terms of the drive and the motivation department. You want to do it, but it's not necessarily going as smoothly as you would like it to. That's okay. Keep working on it because they're going to meet up again December 23rd. And at that point, Mars will, of course, be direct. Um, Mars is retrograde for two months every two years. So it is a retrograde that we feel very intensely. Um, It's not fun. It's not fun. I think Venus retrograde might be a little bit more potent, but it's really a toss-up between the two of them. Mercury retrograde gets top billing for a lot of people because it just happens more often. It happens three or four times a year. But as far as, you know, big astrology is concerned, it's it's a much more minor um, occurrence, you know? It happens more frequently, so it's not as potent, um, if that makes sense. So, okay, the other thing I want to mention about the Mars square Pluto, which is um, happening on Friday, is that you really want to allow yourself to honor your visceral urges because both of these planets are very visceral. They really feel things in the body. So both of these planets, they're emotionally driven in a lot of ways. Um, So with that said, you might have visceral urges to get up and move your body. Maybe you just need to go for a run. Maybe you just need to like eat the whole pint of ice cream. Maybe you just um, need to act out in some way. As long as you're not hurting yourself or hurting someone else, sometimes you need to kind of just move that energy through. This is a great week to get your body moving because if you don't get your body moving, if you don't have that 
somatic experience of moving the energy, then you might have a some sort of verbal outburst to express some of that repressed anger. So a lot of the time with Mars retrograde is that we are working with some repressed anger or some resentments that we maybe haven't unpacked before. So you want to make sure that you're moving that energy so that you don't, it doesn't come out as a big outburst when you least expect it. So the other big thing this week, oh, I didn't mention this. Pluto went direct on Sunday. So um, Pluto actually, we're feeling him quite deeply right now. So I mention this often. We feel planets most intensely when they station to move retrograde or direct. So Pluto stationed to move direct on Sunday. He's now moving forward. Mars is moving backwards. But Pluto's, you know, he's in that process of of turning around. So we really um, are feeling his presence. And, you know, he is the Lord of transformation, the Lord of destruction, Um, I call him the Lord Shiva of the Zodiac because he destroys for the sake of rebirth. And that's what's going on right now. We got a lot of Pluto this year between these three squares that he has with Mars and the conjunction he had with Saturn at the beginning of the year. You know, we got a lot of Pluto energy this year, a lot of transformation. You know, Pluto also rules death. We'll get into that with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's chart later, but, um, that's a, that's another big thing that's going on this year. We're really facing our mortality as a world, not even as a society. It's global. Um, yeah. So something else to note is that Saturn stationed last week, Pluto stationed this week, Jupiter stationed a few weeks ago. These three heavyweights in Capricorn are all back where they were early in the winter. So we're talking January for Pluto, we're talking February, March for Jupiter and Saturn. It's not surprising to astrologers that we're seeing this spike in COVID cases because the stories that were playing out January, February, March are the stories that are recurring right now because those planets have stations back where they were then and are moving forward again. I hope that makes sense. Saturn and Pluto, when they came together in January, that was the day that they came together. That conjunction was actually um, the day that COVID-19 was announced globally that it was a thing. So not a thing, but a virus that was, you know, really had some legs. So with that said, there's something about this Saturn-Pluto that is telling us a story about this virus, and the virus is telling us a story about how we are transforming and restructuring our lives, as if you needed astrology to tell you that. I obviously realize that you don't need astrology to tell you that because we're seeing it every single day, but it's interesting to see the patterns and the parallels, of course. Now, on to a few other things that don't have to do with Pluto and Mars. We have Mercury opposite Uranus this week. So something that's really interesting, my fiance just told me before I came on to record that Facebook, I don't know what 
verb to use. So for lack of a better verb, I'll say Facebook outlawed all mentions of QAnon across the Facebook platform and the Instagram platform. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, yep, Mercury opposite Uranus. So Wednesday of this week, Mercury opposes Uranus. And this is this can manifest in a few different ways. It can manifest as a very scattered mind. It can make you very nervous, agitated, restless. It can also be incredibly creative if you are willing to go with the flow and not have an expectation of where your mind is going. It's a great opportunity for some creative work as long as you're not attached to where that creative work is going to lead. It can bring up unexpected occurrences. Your plans might change really rapidly and unexpectedly. Um, And Mercury is in its pre-retrograde shadow. So Mercury is going to retrograde. Mercury stations to retrograde on October 13th. So that's next week on Tuesday. So we are in that week prior. So we're really going to start to feel the Mercury retrograde vibes. Mercury is in Scorpio. Scorpio is the investigator. Scorpio likes to look for the stuff below the surface, find the information that no one else has found. I said on Instagram, I did a reading for Donald Trump and I did it last Friday, right after the announcement. Well, it was the day that I found out because he announced, well, yeah, he announced early, very early in the morning, like 1 a.m. that he had been tested positive for COVID. And I also wanted to talk about his taxes. And I talked about his taxes last week on the podcast. So if you didn't listen to that, go back and check that out. But basically, you know, this Mercury pre-retrograde shadow in Scorpio is really digging up a lot of this stuff for for him personally and for all of us because we're living in this country and that's what we're watching on the news and this is the person that's supposed to be leading us, right? So we're finding a lot of the stuff. And I would say, you know, in politics, they call it an October surprise. Those taxes happened on October 1. We are the tax investigation from the New York Times. Then COVID happened one week later, not even. We are going to have a lot more October surprises as Mercury continues to work. Because remember, Mercury is communication. Mercury is rules the mind. Mercury rules technology. Mercury shares, in my opinion, Mercury shares the ownership of the internet with Uranus because Uranus rules technology as well and is science and innovation. So when these guys oppose one another, you are going to have some talk of the internet. You're going to have some talk about what information is being released, right? And so in this situation, we are having information shut down because it is hurtful to us as a society. These conspiracy theories, I just said to my mother today, who is dancing on the edges of QAnon, I said these conspiracy theories are possibly a more dangerous epidemic for our society than the actual virus. The actual virus is something that we know how to control. Whether or not people are doing those things is another conversation. The conspiracies 
around it are actually in some ways more dangerous because it's keeping us from controlling the actual virus. It's keeping us from actually being able to protect one another because not everyone is playing by the same rules. So I'm not surprised that this announcement came out today. Just very, very interested to see how it plays out. Mercury also rules the post office, so I want you to pay attention with this Mercury retrograde, what's coming out from the post office. And this is a great opportunity for me to remind you to get your ballot in right now. Um, and if you're going to vote early, make a plan to vote early in person. Whatever you know your voting plan is, please make a plan. This Mercury retrograde is going to wreak havoc on the election. The last time we had a similar thing happen was in 2000. Remember hanging chads and Florida, Florida, Florida? We could definitely see something like that this year. And the other thing is Mercury is going direct on election day. And I just finished telling you that we feel these planets most acutely when they station to go retrograde or direct. So we're going to be feeling him for sure on election day. So I want to finish with two really lovely transits. Once a year, Venus trines Uranus. We get that beautiful transit on Saturday. You may be feeling like you want, like you're in the mood for something new. Um, You might want to change something up in your relationship or your style. My fiance is finally taking me apple picking. I've been asking him to go with me for three years. We're doing something new and exciting, at least for him. He's never gone. So do something fun and outside of the box this weekend with your spouse or with your best friend or your mom or whoever. Um, The other thing you might notice is some unexpected financial good news. I like to call this miracle money. So maybe you'll notice that you got a refund you didn't expect. Maybe you'll notice that someone paid you for something that you didn't expect. Maybe you'll notice that you get some sort of um, monetary gift, but just pay attention. Just notice if you find any miracle money on Saturday. On Sunday, we have the sun squaring Jupiter. And so we actually had this transit in April. This can make you really confident. It can make you feel optimistic, things that we really need right now. The one thing to be just careful of is that it can make you really indulgent. So you want to honor moderation. You want to honor wherever your discipline lies or whatever you're trying to be disciplined around um, because the sun square Jupiter can make you kind of go overboard. So that, those are the transits for the week. Just to review, in order, we have Wednesday, the Mercury opposite Uranus. And then we have the Mars square Pluto on Friday, which is also the last quarter of the moon, which I'll get to in a moment. On Saturday, we have Venus trine Uranus. That's a really nice one. Good day. And then Sunday, we have the Sun square Jupiter. Um, So quickly, we'll go over the moons and then we'll take a break and get to Ruth. This week, we started with the moon in Taurus. We had a long void on Monday. I'm recording this on Tuesday. So the moon went into Gemini right after midnight. Tuesday, we have a moon in Gemini through Wednesday. And so Wednesday, we have that Mercury opposite Uranus. 
which can be, you know, a little anxiety producing. The moon in Gemini is also ruled by Mercury, so we might be a little anxious on Wednesday. So just be mindful of that. And we're going to have a void moon 9.47 p.m. on Wednesday, and the moon goes into Cancer at 11.45 a.m. on Thursday. So if you want to sleep in a little bit on Thursday, if you're on the East Coast and relax until 11.45, it's a great day to take the first half of the day off. Void moon in Cancer is a really nice one to stay in bed. On Friday, the moon's going to be in Cancer all day. We have the last quarter moon. So basically what that means is that the moon is, half of the moon is illuminated and we are moving toward the new moon. So the moon will get darker, darker, darker over the last week of the moon cycle because the new moon is the 16th. So the last quarter of the moon really thrusts us into that last phase of the moon cycle where we're really releasing, where we're really turning inward. We start to quiet down. We start to turn in. Okay. On the 10th, we have that lovely um, Venus trine Uranus with the moon actually is going to be void most of the day on the East Coast from 12.04 p.m. until 8.24 p.m. when it goes into Leo. And then we'll have a Leo moon all day Sunday with that sun square Jupiter, which is going to make us all want to be a little bit over the top, especially with a moon in Leo. Okay, so that's the week. Uh, Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about Ruth. And we're back. So I promised you a look at the chart of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So first things first, we do not have a rising sign for Ruth because she, um, her birth time is not known. So this is a really interesting point because I get this question a lot. So a lot of people will say, I don't have my birth time or I don't know my birth time or my mom thinks I was born at 1130, but it could have been an hour earlier or an hour later. When we're unsure of your birth time, we cast a chart for 12 noon. That means that we don't know your rising and we don't know what houses the planets fall in. But we still can glean a lot of information from the the planets because other than the rising and the houses, the only planet that really depends upon the time is the moon because the moon moves every about two and a half days. It changes signs. Now, um, we know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had a moon in Scorpio because the moon was in Scorpio all day on the day that she... Uh, was born. So she is a son in Pisces, um, which makes a lot of sense because she was a visionary. And so a lot of the times when we talk about sun in Pisces, people will say they're dreamers or they're in the fantasies. They're into their fantasies rather. But I also think of sun in Pisces as being someone who holds a vision So not necessarily dreamy and spacey, but someone who holds a vision. Because remember, a moon in Pisces might be a little bit dreamy, but the sun is our ego. The sun is our identity. The sun is our life force. So when the sun is in Pisces, typically if you're a sun in Pisces person, you're a person that really holds a vision for something in your life or something for everyone's life. Um, So... 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg had a son in Pisces. She also had her Venus in Pisces. And um, to me, Pisces is a sign that it's symbolized by two fish swimming in opposite directions. It's meant to be that one fish is swimming toward our highest self, our soul. And the other fish is swimming down toward our shadow self. So it's not surprising to me um, that she was a person who really saw the big picture. And there's something about her that felt so boundless, like, and even, you know, we were all so shocked in a way that she her time had come and that she had passed away because there was something about her that felt unstoppable, almost like the human body wasn't actually uh, even her real, wasn't really confining her in a way. She was such a small woman that felt so boundless in so many ways. So anyway, that's all very Piscean to me. Um, And the Venus in Pisces really wants to love everyone, and it really wants everyone to be loved. And her work had so much to do with making it possible for people to love one another, regardless of the confines that society places upon us, Um, whether that was for marriage equality or women's rights or men being able to stay at home and take care of their children, Um, all of these kinds of things that she fought for. Um, Her moon is in Scorpio, and this is makes perfect sense because the moon in Scorpio is focused. It has passion. It is strategic. If you're a person with a moon in Scorpio, you love to plot a revenge scheme. That is the moon in Scorpio. Moon in Scorpio is so strategic, so focused. So she had those things, you know, not that she was vengeful, but that she knew how to plot and she knew how to be strategic and she knew how to wield her focus. And that's a very fierce Scorpio quality. Um, The other thing about the moon in Scorpio is they're very private people, so they really do hold it close to the vest. And I think that the things that matter to her and the things that were important to her and the people in her life and her family, and I think she did hold that close to the vest. I mean, she's been in the public eye for so long, and many of us have seen the movies about her. Um, But yeah, by and large, I think she lived a very private life. Um, Of course, I mean, that's sort of comes with the job being a Supreme Court justice. So another thing that's really interesting is that she has Mercury retrograde in her chart in Aries. Now, Mercury retrograde in Aries in your chart, um, it can be an anger that is not vocalized, or it can be an anger that is repressed and not expressed. Um, This is interesting to me because she fought for so many things but she didn't let herself appear angry. She never let the passion overtake her, even though she was a very passionate person. She also has Uranus and Aries, which means she is a change maker, she is a leader, she is ahead of the curve. 
another part of her chart that points to this is that she has Saturn in Aquarius. Saturn in Aquarius is an innovator, someone that is leading the charge on something that might not be widely accepted yet, but they can see into the future and they can see what is going to be the norm and they help us get there. Um, Saturn is going into Aquarius uh, later this year in December. So it's really interesting. She was approaching her third Saturn return and most people don't get a third Saturn return. Um, if you live to 90, you'll have gone through one. And that's kind of interesting, you know, approaching that third Saturn return was her time to, to leave us, unfortunately. Um, so the other thing about Ruth's chart that stands out to me personally is her stellium in Virgo. She is a cluster of planets in the sign of Virgo. Now with all of her, she has a lot of Marsy energy. Okay. And along with her Marsy energy, um, she has a lot of water in her chart. She's a water person, you know, she's got the sun in Pisces and she's got the moon in Scorpio. But to me, when I look at her chart, my eye is always drawn to that stellium in Virgo, which makes perfect sense because Virgo is the sign of the servant, the selfless servant who works for the sake of others. It also really plays in, it's the opposite of her son in, in, in Pisces. Virgo is the opposite sign to Pisces. I think of Pisces as being here to serve the soul, the highest level of ourself. And Virgo is here to serve on the human material level, right? So with Virgo, her Virgo stellium to me uh, has so much to do with with her work and who she was as a person because Virgo, while it's servant, it loves to work. It loves to work methodically. It loves to do things in a step-by-step fashion. And it always may, it makes me think so much of her quote about um, change being incremental and how the, in this country and on the Supreme Court, change does not, it's not sweeping. It's incremental. It's step-by-step. And so with her, Um, with not only the, uh, not only with her dissents, which were so famous, but also with the cases she argued, um, so gracefully in front of the Supreme Court before she was a justice, when she was an attorney, she argued, if you saw the movie on the basis of sex, she argued a case for a man, um, who was entitled to, uh, certain funds because he was staying home to take care of his child and in those days it wasn't deemed acceptable um for men to be the one staying home to take care of the children so she really was so smart in seeing the big picture but making these incremental steps that she knew her audience would accept or she knew would have a chance with the audience she had at the moment and i just think i just think that virgo is so potent for me personally when i look at her chart um yeah so she is mars and virgo and that means her drive her 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 motivation 
is to be of service and for her work. And I'm sure you've heard those stories about how she went in for chemo or she had cancer treatment or she had surgery and then she'd get right back to doing her work. Um, she was definitely, you know, a hardworking woman who loved her work. Now, her Mars in Virgo is ruling her Mercury, which is retrograde in Aries. And it's also the traditional ruler of Scorpio, which is where her moon is. So that Mars in Virgo is very controlled. And that drive, that motivation is going to be not only effective, but methodical. It's going to be productive. It's going to be um, as efficient as possible. Virgo is an efficient sign. So with her moon in Scorpio and her Mercury in Aries answering to that Mars in Virgo, that passion that she had was controlled and focused into something that was productive. And I think that's why she also had some famous words about, you know, not letting your emotions take over. She really embodied that. The other planets that she has in Virgo are Neptune and Jupiter. Neptune rules the universal, the cosmic, and Jupiter rules the global. So these are very transcendent visionary planets, and that she has them in the sign of Virgo. Virgo is very much about um, being of service. So her work was of service to not only people here in this country, but people globally and also in our cosmic consciousness. So she took the mundane and made it um, a spiritual work. Her mundane work was spiritual work for her and for all of us, frankly. Um, so some people have asked, you know, why she passed away when she did. And obviously there's many health situations going on. From a chart perspective, I think the main thing that said to me, oh, yeah, it was her time to go for a while was Pluto opposite her Pluto. So Pluto in the sky opposite her natal Pluto. Um, because again, Pluto rules death. So we have a lot of Pluto this year, um, a lot of mortality, a lot of dealing with destruction for the sake of transformation. And Pluto in the sky is in Capricorn opposite her Pluto in her chart, which um, is in Cancer. And this... Pluto opposition started in January 2019. So it's been coming for a while. Of course, we all knew that, but I think that we didn't know that, you know? It's different to intellectually know something and to actually really feel it in your body. Um, and sometimes when I do someone's chart, I come up with some sort of way to describe them, right? Like a fun little word thing. I don't know what to call it, but... Um, for Ruth, I would call her a skilled, strategic, compassionate warrior. She's skilled. That's the Virgo. She's strategic. That's the Scorpio. She's compassionate. That's the Pisces. And she's a warrior. That's all that Mars energy. You know, the Mercury and Aries, the, um, the moon and Scorpio ruled by Mars, the Mars in Virgo, 
um, being a warrior of service. So anyway, with that said, um, I am really sad. I was actually taken aback by how shocked and sad I was. And um, I just wanted to share a little bit about her with you. And I hope it was helpful. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, I'll leave you with that. I will talk to you next week. And until then, come find me on Instagram. I did a little uh, chart for you know who. And I'm hopefully going to do some more stuff as more, you know, political things roll out throughout the month. I'll give you some updates on stories and on the grid over on Instagram. Um, if you are not on my email list, come on over to my website, veronicaparetti.com. Um, you can sign up for the Real Sign Guide, which is my astrology guide that uh, teaches you a little bit more about your zodiac sign, but also gives you your real housewife archetype. Uh, you can check that out. How we went from Ruth Bader Ginsburg to Real Housewives, I have no idea, but that's very much the kind of person I am. <laughs> and... Um, uh, if you're not on my email list, definitely come on over, get your real sign guide and, uh, you'll be in the know, um, with all of the astrology going on. All right. So have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Oh, and if you like the show, please take a moment to leave a review. It will help more people just like you use astrology to dictate their own fate.